time. Yay! Yay. That's legitimately <laughs> like I started, I pressed record and then you went, it's podcast time. <laughs> Wait, is that funny or is that? That's my cold open. That's our cold open, lads. Did, did we see the cats trailer the other day? Yeah. Yes. It is stuff from my nightmares. I kind of want to see it and review I it. Still for the podcast. Want, I still want to see it. And that's why I'm so terrified because they must have seen the Sonic trailer and be like, it's created such a shitstorm on Twitter. We've got to be it. We've got to be. But I was watching a behind the scenes for... Um, and it looks like, so good. About, it looks so good behind the scenes. And then... That, then they yeah. ruined it. I saw someone saying that of the two... F- if, if they just swapped two films this year, they really should have done Cats, but it's just animated versions of Cats like The Lion King. And The Lion King should have been... Like a semi-staged performance, like the the like the musical. No, like the but you could see cool. You could see how they would fudge it up, though. Can you imagine Childish Gambino with like a really awful CGI mane and Beyonce? No, it wouldn't be CGI. It would be like the co- the African costumes that they have in the show. I also want to see Donald Glover with a badly CGI'd mane. I so want to see Didn't that. I? I just want to see Donald Glover in everything. You know, in every episode, we have a moment of appreciation for someone. It's just Donald Glover. But today's Donald Glover. He's not even in this this film we're covering. Oh, are we sure? I don't know whether I'm sad or I'm glad that he's not. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out for a Donald Glover till the end of the night. <laughs> and he's got to be <laughs> Donald you know? Glover. He's got to be, be Donald, Donald Glover. And he's got to be Glover. <laughs> and he's got to be... Childish faster. Gambino. What the hell I need a is this commentary? <laughs> Not that one. No, I mean Donald Glover. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> this episode sponsored by the band Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. I hate you. I hate you. Right. I really wasn't ready. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, where we make blind assumptions about films we have not seen, and then we... Well, we see how it goes. Oh, joking. <laughs> joking. Joking, joking. We should do like a... Say, say, say how, how it goes. goes. See, see how it goes. Cool, blimey. <laughs> Are we just gonna hold these accents out the time? Call Blarmy. Oh no, that's that's Australian. <laughs> Alright, you got Australia. We're going to do Barry and the Princess and the Pauper. That's a bad accent. We're going to do Barry is the Princess and the Pauper. Wait, we can't we can't do um Barry's Princess and the Pauper because I like putting shrimps on the Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, right, I thought I wasn't gonna be hosting today until I was on the train over here to your house, Claire. And you said you'd never seen it. And I was like, how did we get this confused? How did this happen? Because I so assumed you were going to be hosting this episode. I, like, you both say that I said that I had seen this film, but I was trying to figure out when that had happened and all I had was 404 file not found. Like, I don't We both separately remember you saying it. (laughs) Let's so, just like, daydream this. Like neither of us wanted to host it, so we were I, like, I like, I like how your daydreams would be me saying that I had watched Barry as the princess and the pauper. Okay, we should probably clarify. 
saying Barry is because... So when we first came up with the idea for this podcast, we were writing down, like, all the films that we wanted to do for this podcast. And I so said, I really want to do Barbie as the princess and the pauper, because it is hecka good. And then it auto-corrected itself to Barry. (laughs) And so it's been known as Barry as the princess and the pauper ever since. Like, this episode might even be called Barry. We'll... See. What we usually do before we watch said film is that we have the two people or one person that has not seen it before. We convert the runtime of the film into minutes and seconds. So in this case, Barbie is the princess and the pauper is an hour and 25 minutes. So Callum and Claire has to guess what happens in Barbie is the princess and the pauper in one minute and 25 seconds. Are we ready? Aye, aye, Captain. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> Copyright strike. <laughs> Go! Okay, so your boy M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> oh, no. He has been working tirelessly on his his wonderful trilogy, uh, starting with Unbreakable, moving on to Split, and finishing with Glass. So he's made all these films, right? And he's thinking to himself, boy, do you know what I think I should do? The idea of Split, you know, having this person who has, like the multiple different personalities and is unaware of the link between them, that's something that's really interesting. And I think we could take that further and we need to bring this into a younger audience. So, in comes Barbie as the princess and the pauper, wherein Barbie is both the princess... Right, stop, go. And the pauper. I don't know where to go with this. Okay, so, M. Night Shyamalan is directing this Barbie film and Barbie is having a really difficult time because sometimes she wakes up and she is a princess and then sometimes it's like in Shrek, she is a pauper. Um, (laughs) And this is very confusing for her. So she seeks out some guidance from her good friend Barry and... He tells her to get some therapy and love herself and eventually she figures it out and is able to deal with stuff. She was dead all along. (laughs) (laughs) Plot twist. Shyamalan. Got you again. (laughs) You really got me. I like the fact that you used Callum's premise to make it into a very wholesome story about mental health and that we should we should all get therapy. Callum, that was a shitstorm. <laughs> You're welcome. So, in terms of accuracy, guys. 10 out of 10, I'm assuming. Yeah. I'd say 9.5. I took some liberties at the end there. I don't think you did. I think that is going to be in this. You know what? Strong. For creativity, I'm going to give you a bonus point. It's going to be 1 out of 10. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was... That was a wild ride. (laughs) And I hope our dear listeners really appreciate the glorious filmmaking that we've created. And in the meantime, we're going to watch Barry as the Princess and the Pauper. You can think of Barry Manilow, Barry White. Pick your Barry. We don't mind. And we will be back (laughs) with our thoughts. Pick your Barry. Probably a Barry that you know. They just pick one off the street. I'm I'm, I'm picturing like Street Fighter and it's like, choose your Barry. (laughs) (laughs) We will be back in this brief interlude. I choose Barry B. Benson. (laughs) 
This episode was brought to you by Wigs. Wear them, snatch them, pretend to be royalty, and then get arrested for it. And we are back. We are back from a tremendous evening of entertainment from right entertainment. They're from the far right. They're brainwashing us all. Steve Bannon. Right, guys, we're going to first crack off this part of the episode. (laughs) Can I crack one off? No. 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 (laughs) Not for this episode. Not for this film that's meant to be for kids. (laughs) Right. Let's start. Bloody half of the episode with Good and Bad and the Meme. I feel like we have very different ideas of how that tune's supposed to go. I think it makes it even more th- or even more glorious. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the part where we talk about our favourite bits, our least favourite bits, and the brilliant memes that came along with this, quite frankly, cinematic masterpiece. So, Callum, what is your good of Barry as the princess and the pauper? Uh, personally, I really loved that they actually made the the princess someone who has actual good redeeming qualities rather than just being like, I'm a princess. I'm worth something because I'm rich now, I guess. Like, they actually gave her personality and... And she's smart. She's smart. She know rocks and stuff. That's what I had written down. <laughs> she Prin- really rocks. Princess is smart and knows rocks and stuff. Claire. That was a glorious pun. Thank you. I'm ignoring it. <laughs> I've elected to ignore it. I love how much of the, the, the film's plot is based around knowledge of geology and herbology. It's oh like... Oh my god, that's so true! Because Julian finds that bit of pine whatever, and, he's, and he... He's just it- like the Silverwood Forest, of course. Yeah, that's where she is. And I mean- he can tell that the note is fake because he's he's like, it has the wrong plant scent on it. It's obviously not from her. That kid has like a super nose. And or Julian is a stalker. <laughs> no, Julian is wholesome. I refuse to make Julian anything but wholesome. Okay, he's lovely. He's a uh, lovely fair- young man. <laughs> he's a lovely man. And they're married now. He's, he's, he's I'm so he's a lovely man. I feel like we need to address. Well, he's married now. We need to address the Gwen in the room. <laughs> okay, so guys, remember in the first episode where we talked about when we did Harrogate together. So initially, so I was directing it, and I was also playing the the the, the female lead because I was dumb. Actor manager. What? That's making a bad joke. Okay. Um, and I was I made the character choice to be RP. I was trying to do this accent where I was being very posh and I went to private school and everything. And then there was a scene where I had to say, oh, well, he's married now. And then one of the cast members pointed out later, Carrie, you sound Welsh. You still sounded Welsh when yeah. you did it just then. <laughs> 
Oh, married well, he's now. married. Oh, well, he's oh. married now. You still sound Welsh. Yeah, you well. can't do it without sounding Welsh. <laughs> I think because you he's guys are associating now. it with the Welsh. No. no. So Mildred became Gwyneth. But to do it properly at RP, you'd have to say, oh, well, he's married now. Well, he's married now. No. Now. 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 You've got to do like a Marry now. Oh. Marry now. Now. It's also because you're putting the emphasis on... The wrong, you're putting the wrong emphasis now. on the wrong What's syllable. You're, you're saying married. That's what's making it sound like. Married now. Married. Oh, it's married now. Ah, that's where I've been going wrong all this time. And I'm sure mm-hmm. this is incredibly relevant to this podcast. Yeah. But yeah, that's the context of well, he's married now. And I can't remember why we brought this up. But hey ho, you know some character backstory and you can relate to us more. It's because Julian is a lovely young man. He's a lovely young man. And so is Dominic, actually. They're both lovely young they're men. They're both re- And they're quite different. For looking One is smart same. and the other likes role play. Carry on. <laughs> you can what? be smart and like role play. You don't have to be one or the other. That don't is, limit yourself. That is the moral of this film. This is a kid's film. <laughs> Carrie, what did you like about the film? What did I like about the film? <laughs> did you like Dominic? Hell yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, actually, to be fairly honest, I love the music. I'm just like you. I think that's true. You're just like me. Yes, I can. We take responsibility. We carry through. We carry through. Do what we need to do. Yes, I am a girl like you. I feel like it is a good example of modern musical theatre for the young kids and it gets them excited about musical theatre. And isn't that what we really want, guys? To have musical theatre in the mainstream of the kids to love it. That means more theatre kids. Yes. That means less roles for us. Well, now you've got to put it in a bad way. <laughs> kids, don't don't listen to musical theatre. Go play football. <laughs> yeah, like... The music was fantastic. I mean, I had heard a snippet before um, from a meme uh, of just like... I'm that just was like, your only mm. knowledge of this yeah. film. That, that was my only knowledge of this film. Um, but yeah, it was it was fantastic. And it involved the London Symphony Orchestra and the Czech Philharmonic Orchestra, is that right? Yes. Yep. It's insane. They got, they got the big boys in. This is actually a good example that just because it is kids material doesn't mean that it can be bad. I feel like with a lot of films, actually, I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a of a tangent. But I feel like nowadays, just because it's a thing that's meant to be targeted at kids, that they feel like they have a little bit more leeway to be bad when actually it can be good. And like we didn't really care about the graphics either. No. If anything, they added to the film. It added a great amount of what's the joy. Word? No. <laughs> Unadulterated joy. <laughs> It added a um, a charm. It added a charm to it. Mm. Yeah. There are levels of realism that you can try and go for with animation, which always end up looking bad, like, five years down the line. Yeah. Whereas this is just kind of like, everything looks weird and fake and plastic because it's a Barbie film. Mm. So... Sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. Like, it took me a little, like, about kind of... 15 seconds or so to get accustomed to like the weird animation of it but the animation was actually really good and considering like, it's 2004 oh yeah definitely considering it's 2004 and considering it's a kids film from 2004 you didn't have to put that much effort into this you probably could have left it like pretty like shady and it would have been fine because yes. i assumed it was going to be a cash-in from when you were talking about it. i was like 
oh, this is going to be one of those kind of films. And it just wasn't. It was actually good. You know what, Callum? My heart is soaring from you saying that. I appreciate it. I was pleasantly surprised. I went into this very, like... This is going to be gloriously awful. I mean, I wasn't expecting something, you know, of the room standard or whatever, because nothing can Nothing can cross that. (laughs) But, like, I was expecting a bad film, and it wasn't a bad film. Yeah. Awesome. I had very low expectations and I genuinely enjoyed that film to the extent that I bought that film and yes. planned to watch it again. Okay, so Technically, full context. I bought that film anyway. No, I paid you back immediately. Oh, okay. Okay, full context. So I originally, I had the DVD and that's why I pitched it because I was like, we need to do this. It'll be so much fun. And then 12 minutes in, I think, it stopped. And I was like, no, don't do this to me. And I open it and it's not even the DVD had scratches. Like... How would you describe, Callum, what it looked like? It looked like there was, like, a smudge that was, like, a perfect line across a portion of the DVD, which makes me think that, like, it might be something to do with, like, DVDs, especially if they get quite old, the film on them can actually start to peel away. Uh, And I think it might be that. That's really sad. So... After 12 minutes, I already convinced Claire that this was worth keeping for life. Yeah. I plan to keep it for life. I'll treasure it. I'll need to come by more often now that, now that my DVD doesn't work. <laughs> so what's your favourite part of Barbie as the Princess and the Pauper? So my favourite part is that when the... Um, oh, what was her name? The other one. Erica? So my favourite part is when Erica was pretending to be Princess Alice. Yes. So my favourite part was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep all this in. It's going to yeah. be like one of those broken records. My favourite part. My favourite part. part. My favourite part. Um, so it was when Erica was pretending to be Princess Annalise. And earlier on in the film, you'd seen how Julian picked a pink, uh, a pink rose or a pink flower for Annalise. And she said, oh, this one, it's my favourite. Of course you knew that. And then when Erica is with Dominic, even when she's pretending to be Annalise, he sees this bush of pink flowers and he picks her the blue one. And throughout this film, blue has represented Erica and pink has represented Annalise. It it just shows that Dom was falling in love with Erica, not with Annalise. It shows that they are suited to each other. It's not just a he thought he was falling in love with Annalise. He did think he was falling in love with Annalise. But it shows that he actually loved Erica for who she is, not for her being Annalise. That's so adorable. I I didn't think of it like that. I really like it. Oh, that's even more wholesome. Oh, God. Why can't I have a romantic life like that? I'm going to cry. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm heartless. Right. Unfortunately, guys, we may love Barry as the princess and the pauper. Pick any Barry you want. Barry Manilow, Barry White, as I said earlier. Pick anyone. Oh, I was about to go Barry the knife, but it's back the knife. <laughs> Barry the <laughs> knife. <laughs> also, going back to you being heartless, you're a Hufflepuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. So, unfortunately, guys, even though we love this film, like, to our core... We have to say what our least favourite part is. So, we're going to resume this order. Callum, what is your bad of Barry as the Princess and the Pauper? The bit that I disliked the most of this film is the very beginning. The fact that it starts with what looks like... (laughs) No, the fact that it starts with what looks like a really bad... Like, the, the art in it is okay, but it looks like someone just made, like a lazy PowerPoint presentation. 
Of, I like, made a joke stills. about this whilst we were watching it. Yeah. It looks weird. And, and like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and thinking, okay, well, the impression that you want to give with the beginning of your film, continuing as the film goes on, seems very different to the impression that you give when you start with a lazy PowerPoint presentation of blurry stills. One thing that, like, immediately leapt out at me is... I think a lot of the um, a lot of the facial expressions in this film are very kind of like over the top because it's a it's a kids film and that's the art style of it. But when it's put into stills, it just kind of makes it look a bit janky. Yeah. And everyone's facial expressions looks a bit janky, especially the two babies at the very beginning of the film <laughs> who looked like they were so goddamn smug. Like <laughs> shit, yeah, I'm a baby. <laughs> I, don't I was know, just born. I didn't know the hmm. harsh realities of the world. I'm about to poop myself. <laughs> and someone else is going to clean it. That's 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 pretty much it. The the beginning of it was a bit weird, but like then it then it took off and I I felt okay about it after that. Then you were you were reassured. Yeah. So my bit it's a little bit of a serious one to be honest. So if any of you know if you don't, I highly recommend. There's a YouTuber called Rowan Ellis, and she does video essays on queer baiting and queer coding in media. And I think she did one on children's media. And I think that I found was that the main villain, Preminger, we, we said during his villain number, definitely queer coded, definitely meant to be a sort of very camp, gay-like figure. And I, I'm reluctant to say that because obviously I don't want it to be like, gay means bad. But what I'm saying is that the media is teaching young kids that being camp means, like, sort of being gay and they're villains and that means it's bad. And it it's just a, it's just a very clear example of media at, at that time and associating a certain type of sexuality is a bad thing and should be a bad thing. And I am glad that, you know, current franchises like Marvel and brands like that, you know, they're they're picking it up. They're, they're, they're celebrating queer people, and that's what I love. But that was what kind of was always lurking in the back of my mind whenever there was a very grand exit from Preminger. Funny, but queer-coded. Yeah, it doesn't give a particularly good message. Especially because, you know, in a kid's mind, you aren't actively thinking about the sexuality of any characters because sexuality... I'm assuming when you're at that age should not be part of your general understanding of the world that much. Yeah, hopefully. Other than some people marry these type of people, some people marry these type of people. Yeah. yeah. Re- regardless, I don't think, to the same degree that most of us as adults, when we see a character that is coded in a certain way, are going to start thinking about kind of, okay, well, what is this coding trying to tell me? It just seems like such a weird message that seemed to be so pervasive. Yeah, he was a bit pervy as well. Oh, yeah. Because also there is that thing of, if we're going like purely based on what media tells us, is that being not straight means you're very hypersexualized and pervy. And th- there are some moments, to be honest, in some of that premature stuff where it's a little bit icky and a little bit weird. And by marrying the princess, I get all that I desire. Like a moat, an ermine coat, and palace views. Even though she treats me coldly, it's a sign of inner fire. For inside she's thinking, how can I refuse? There are ways that you can go about it which aren't in this kind of vein, where 
well, that was an accidental pun, where you basically make them vain instead. You can have people who are self-obsessed. You can have people who are, like, obsessed with trying to attain a higher status. And that can be a decent villain motivation. The closest that I can think in terms of a character who has these kind of motivations is probably Scar in The Lion King. Even then, like, there are occasional bits when I've rewatched that film where I thought, like, he's coded slightly gay. Slightly a little bit a couple of times. Yeah. But most of the time it's just, he's vain and he wants power. Yeah. And that's 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 clear enough as a motivation. You don't need it to be this big other thing. And it just, it promotes such a bad message. But Scar and the Lion King, and the Lion King in general, is such a more dramatic film than this. It's meant to be sad. It's meant to be heartbreaking at times. It's meant to be scary at times. Barbie and the Princess is the Princess and the Pauper is just meant to be funny and entertaining and very light. Mm. I understand what you're saying about kind of queer coding and stuff like that, but at the same time, his extravagance and his campness made him such a more entertaining, such more well-rounded character and so much more fun to watch and kind of be part of. And it also helped make him non-threatening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, f- I feel like your point is like also part of the, the issue is that one of the easiest ways, and I think it's kind of lazy to create the coding of someone being non-threatening, is to make them a feminine male figure. It's the easiest way to be like, oh, but like they're not an actual threat. Because they're posing typically feminine traits. Yeah. It's annoying because it works. For this film, they needed somebody who takes part in dance numbers and who is not a scary villain for kids. Well, I was going to say, because I've watched other Barbie films, I hate to be that person. I've had previous experience with Barbie films. (laughs) (laughs) They're great. Please watch them. (laughs) I watch them every night. Um, I would not doubt that. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that either if I was you. If we're looking at villains of other Barbie films, specifically of that era in terms of very early noughties, I don't know what they're like now. Obviously, I don't watch them. I don't want to say there's a diversity in terms of villains because they're all white and middle class, but they're not all queer-coded, if that makes sense. So I think... I know what the problem is. The problem is, is that the writing of Prevenger is towing the line. It's towing the line between camp and fun and also menacing and evil because he straight up tries to murder um, yeah, Annalise and Julian. So, But he's camp all the time. So it comes across as queer coding that being gay is bad. Whereas actually if they leaned m- more to one than the other... If it was just camp and fun, but really they were harmless. Like, maybe instead of trying to murder them, just ship them away to nowhere. Or, like, to Timbuktu or something. That would be... People would be like, right, that's harmless. And if you went more on the sinister side, would be like... Bad, bad, bad. So maybe that was the issue here. I do kind of worry about the amount to which lessons get kind of reinforced at an early age. And if this is a film which is for kids... I can see a very easy way in which you look at that kind of behaviour and associate it with the bad guy, especially if, like, there was at that time a lot of films which had that issue. Mm. This this is the issue that I, that I worry about with this film, is that I enjoy it still. My wish that it didn't have this element still stands, but 
it didn't affect my enjoyment of the film. That it's got to the point where like it feels weird to be saying it about this film specifically, but like I'm having this is this is one of the like we're having to nitpick to find things we don't like. Yeah, it's not yeah. something that like every time a scene he was in, I was like, oh my god, they're quick coding, how dare them! Like I was still cackling whenever he made a dramatic exit, but then after the film in hindsight, I'm like. Oh yeah, that was queer coding. That is not to diminish an is- the issue that is queer coding because that is a very yeah yeah. There are much more heinous. That's a very uh, good word. Examples, for it. yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I do think that you guys are raising really good points about how the things that we learn as children and things that we see as children do affect us for a really long time. And it's not something that I'm particularly well versed in, but if you know, there are kids' films that are continually using this, then, yeah, it's a real possibility that kids are growing up and yeah. thinking camp and queer is bad. But I think the good thing now, I mean, obviously, still a long way to go, but in terms of mainstream media that are aimed at kids, I think they're doing so much better. What we can only hope for now is that they carry on, if not progress even further in the future. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, Claire, what is your bad part of Barry's The Princess and the Pauper? I think my only bad thing about this film is the end. So everyone is getting married. Literally everyone. Literally, Literally everyone. everyone. So the the princess is marrying Julian. What's her face is marrying Dominic. Erica. <laughs> How do we know the prince's names better than the just... actual? Because they actually mention the prince's yeah. names in the film like more than once. Oh my god. So it's, it's at the end of the film where Annalise is marrying Julian... Erica is marrying Dominic. The cats have got married and had about 15 kittens. I think more uh, than that. <laughs> uh, the they cats have got busy. married. Uh, you know, that's been set up. And the French horse is also married to a mysterious lady horse. We know because of the eyelashes and the white and I don't know, probably has pink and stuff. And it's just like, okay, I understand that for kids it's it's nice to have a very rounded happy ending with like marriage and everyone's happily ever after but the french horse just marries this random horse there's no setup there's no like we have no idea who this is it feels like they just needed him to get married Elve deserves a well-rounded character. Elve does deserve a well-rounded character. Everyone deserves a well- well-rounded character. Mm. This horse was not foreshadowed. <laughs> yeah, this horse was not foreshadowed. Right, guys, we talked about our bad bits. We've got to put them aside because that's our, that's our nitpicking aside. We're now going to talk about memes. memes. Callum, give me your meme. Your best meme. Oh, my best meme has to be one of my favourite all-time musical memes, and it came up so much in this film. Evil bassoon. <laughs> Just like, oh, I wonder if this character is going to be evil. Yep, there's a solo bassoon line going on. <laughs> you're like, yep, yep, I think that guy might be evil. And then you're it's like, so oh, true. look, here's this dog. Is this dog associated with this guy? <laughs> yep, that's an evil dog. <laughs> Also, he was from Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Lose a tooth, Midas. My tooth? No! No! Not my tooth! Oh! <laughs> huh? ah. oh, you better hope you got nine lives, Serafina. Because <laughs> you're gonna need them all! Where did that? There were so many just random acts. Where is this town set? There's a French horse. There's a Brooklyn dog. There's an Australian 
dog cat thing. I don't think he was Australian. I thought he was British. He His first line was Australian and then the whole rest of the film he was like Cockney. I think they just got a guy in that just didn't know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. To, to be fair, it's like, even for British people, it is occasionally tough to distinguish between a very strong Cockney accent and an Australian accent. Can confirm, I've done that way too many times. Yeah, like, it's they're not actually that dissimilar. Well, my meme is the glorious pointing. Who needs, <laughs> who needs names? Who needs names where you can just play the pronoun game and point? Mm-hmm. There, evil person, you are there. And the, the- hey, listener, I'm pointing at you. You're the villain. You're there. I hope you understand that. You're good. They also, none of them ever just like point in a normal fashion. They have to do like the bend the elbow and then release the point. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. When, it. when in doubt, just point at people. If you've forgotten their name, point. That's not rude. That's a good message to tell children. We're not on the moral section yet. <laughs> That's going to be my moral. If you don't know somebody's name, point, point dramatically. Right, Claire. Just to, sorry, uh, just just to quickly return to the queer coding thing, the amount to which they qu- they queer coded Predinger when he did like his point. There was a brief moment of silence, and in my head, I immediately heard "young man." <laughs> and I was just like. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yes, I buy that. I would pay to watch that content of Premature. <gasps> yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that excited. I'm sure that. someone could try and edit it and make it sound like Premature is seeing the YMCA. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Claire, give me a meme. So my first meme was going to be the accents because, again, where is this town set? <laughs> But my second meme is the level of dedication they went to to introduce, like, janky camera angles into this film. So there was, like, a full... uh, Oh, what's it called? Like, a dolly zoom at one point. Because I I noted that and I was just like, I wish that was a Hitchcock zoom because then I could talk about it because I know what a Hitchcock zoom is. It's the one film thing that I know. But also, there was a point where Julian had just been whacked over the head. The camera diverted to, like, his eyes eyes like his viewpoint and it bumped up and down a bit while he was like oh what what went on and just the level of dedication in like this kids film which we've kind of touched upon before where they put so much effort into just it making it a really good film and details and all i just i appreciated i appreciated every single time this has just turned into a good thing rather than a meme hasn't it i think it's glorious i mean I you think appreciate a meme it's the it's the film studies generator Barbie is brainwashing us all to become film students. I thought this was just this podcast. (laughs) Morals. What is our moral of Barry? As the princess. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I knew that was coming because you lent in and it was still a surprise. (laughs) Barry. Oi. Callum Barry. What's your worry, Barry? Barry! Barry. So, uh, my moral for this film is diversify your investment portfolios and don't put your currency on the gold standard. Otherwise, when when your gold mine runs out, your country will go bankrupt. Cool. That's a great moral. My moral is... I had a good one and now I've forgotten it. What was it? 
Oh, it was funny. <laughs> I like to think it was funny. How about narrows it down? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I love you, Gary. I love you too. Uh, moral of the story. Cats are better than dogs. Yeah, that's a good moral. Yeah. Agree. No, the, I, I, I thought of a better one than that, but I can't think of it. So. I'll just edit it in. I'll just edit it in. Carrie is editing now and still can't remember. Oh well, we will carry on. Classic Carrie being a dumb bitch. The moral that I took from the story is if you are in financial trouble, just trade your children and things will work out. Yes. It happened to both Princess and Pauper in this film. Yeah, where did Erica's parents go? Oh, Erica's mum was working in the um, clothes. That was her mum? Yeah. Yeah. By what? Yeah. Yes. Did you not get that? No. I mean, she her dad just nothing like the one in the slide. In the slideshow at the beginning, she the, the mum looked nothing like her. Aging. Yeah. Process. There's presumably about eighteen years between those two. Oh my god. I th- I feel like we've just answered <laughs> questions that you've held for about twenty years. Mine. Despite it not being I, twenty years since two thousand and four. I actually shooketh. I'm a changed woman. You're a changed woman. I'm a changed woman, you damn it. found out where Erica's parents went. Oh, we don't know where the dad went. We don't yeah. know where but the dad that's went. That's still a mystery. That's still a mystery. Maybe the dad defected to Dominic's kingdom and he's actually the short guy. <laughs> he aged that way, did he? Maybe the, 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 the dad got turned into a weird cat-dog hybrid by a passing witch. Maybe. Oh my god, he's saying the cat is Erica. No, he was sat with her while she was in the bath. Memory loss. <laughs> oh god. His dad got turned into a French horse. There we go. I you were going to say a French horn. <laughs> That's even better. I'd love that. My dad is a French horn, a Jeremy Kyle special. <laughs> I mean, that's been cancelled now. I was about to say Jerry Springer. Um, you can't go on the show with your friend John anymore. No! I've got it. Have to um, film it. Send it to you. You've been framed. Is that still going? 250 quid is mine. Um, we thought, our dear listeners, that we would try something a little bit new. We're still trying to find our format. We came. We saw how it went. We saw now we how conquer. It, <laughs> we saw how it goes and... <laughs> And now, guys, we're going to see how Callum and Claire's description of Barry as the Princess and the Pauper, how it fares to the original. And do we prefer the events of how it doesn't and the events of how it was going to go? (laughs) I'm going to call it that. Guys, I'm calling it that. The events of how it doesn't compared to how it's going to go. (laughs) Copyright that shit. It's half past 11 on a Monday evening. (laughs) I, know, I have guys. to be up in like six hours. I have to be up in six and a half hours. <laughs> anyway. I don't care, guys. I'm keeping it. <laughs> Your boy, M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> the multiple different personalities and is unaware of the link between them. Barbie is having a really difficult time because sometimes she wakes up and she is a princess and then sometimes it's like in Shrek, she is a pauper. She seeks out some guidance from her good friend, Barry. He tells her, get some therapy and love herself she was dead all along right guys we've now listened maybe didn't listen to how we thought 
Barry as the Princess and the Pauper was going to go, do we prefer how he thought it was going to go to how it doesn't? I fully prefer how it doesn't. I I fully I fully prefer how it doesn't as well, which surprises me. I would have been fully on board with an M Night Shyamalan twist style ending. Also, I was just thinking about like Split as a film, and I was thinking, why don't we just have James McAvoy as every character in this film? <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm glad we decided this. I think I preferred it how it doesn't, but I also <laughs> I'm keeping this, guys. I'm keeping this. How it doesn't. <laughs> Guzzant. G-O-E-S. Oh, I was thinking apostrophe. Guzzant. So, guys, next bit. Ratings. How many genetically engineered weird dog cats out of ten? (laughs) Sorry, mate. I just sprayed spit on your foot. That's fine. Callum, ratings? It's a (laughs) 7.5. Yay! That's more than I hoped. It's a good film. Like, I'm not, like, blown away by the cinematography. <laughs> the music is surprisingly good. The, the animation is pretty good. The story is fine. But, like, yeah, it's an enjoyable film. It's a fun time. Yeah. I'm going to give it 8.5 weirdly genetically engineered dog cats out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the point five the, the cat half or the dog half for <laughs> you? Dog half. I've always been a dog person. All right. Yeah. I'm giving it a nine out of ten. I yes! love that film. Like Claire officially preferred this film to The Shape of Water. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I just I, I just enjoyed this film a lot. Yeah, it was fair. great. It exceeded my expectations at every single turn. Um, I'm so happy about this, guys. I think it could have had more music. Like, more singing. There could have been more harmonisation. Like, there was only one or two songs that were, like, duets. And and guys, as princesses do, they only harmonised in thirds. I felt personally attacked by that (laughs) song. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right, guys, so that's the end of this podcast. We can go to bed now. Um, feel free to subscribe to this podcast. We have social media. See how it goes pod on Twitter and Instagram. And our email is see how it goes pod at gmail.com. You are looking at me e- like I would know things. Correct. Correct mundo. Please follow. Hecko appreciated. Maybe even leave a review. That'd be hella noise. Callum, social media. Yeah, uh, if you want to hear some of my music, then you can check me out on. Arpeggio Music, that's A-R-P-G-I-O Music on YouTube. Also search for that on Twitter, on SoundCloud. Uh, Basically, you can find me on any of those places and have a listen to some of the stuff that I'm working on. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can follow Arpeggio Music for just my music-related stuff or for my random musings whenever I remember that I have Twitter on my phone at Callum Neville. Yay! Well, if you like my some form of witty commentary, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at carrymo 97 But if you'd be interested in the way I take pictures, which I quite like doing... I quite take pictures good. Thank, Fran. You can follow on the Instagram at Carrie Photography and the Facebook page Carrie Morrison Photography. Do what you will with that information. But please go to it. Cool. <laughs> and for her ASMR channel. Hi, guys. We're going to be... Oh. ASMR. Anyway, sorry. <laughs>
Oh, Claire, I made you win. Claire, what's our charity of the month? <laughs> the month. <laughs> the charity of the fortnight. So our charity for this episode is, of course, the Little Princess Trust. So if you don't know what this is, this is a wonderful charity based in the UK who makes wigs for children who have lost their hair via uh, chemotherapy treatment, etc. So you can either donate to their cause directly via a monetary donation, or if you have long hair and want to take the chop, if you're able to donate uh, seven or more inches of your hair, um, you can send it off to them and they will use your hair to make a lovely wig. It's something that I've done actually before and it was a really, really great experience. And honestly, if you just need a haircut and you wanna do a big chop that's like more than seven inches, you might as well donate it. Like, they can I, use it, it's great. I honestly, I did it as well. And I think I'm a change, I think I was a changed woman from that day forward. Did you become a princess? Yes, I became a princess. I'm a princess. Too. Hell yeah. Callum, I'm already a princess. You've always been a princess yeah, in your princess. heart. Oh. On that note, thank you everyone so much for watching, not watching, listening. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you at some point in our existence. We don't know what the next episode is going to be covering and we're going to keep it a secret because we haven't decided. <laughs> so, have fun with that information. Bye! Bye! <laughs>